Podcast 010, Making the Big Bucks with Permaculture, Part 2 of 3. Sponsored by my buddies at PantryParatus.com. They sell food preservation tools. Produce, prepare, preserve your own harvest. Mary Jane Butters. Here's something where we're going to leave permaculture for a while. The key to point out here is, is that there are people who will pay $2,500 per week to help her on the farm. They, they actually, they're in a tent, and, and every morning they get up at the crack of dawn, and they help do farm chores all day long, and, uh, and of course they share meals with everybody and stuff like that, and, and then at the end of the week, they're happy, and they go away, and they've left behind $2,500. And they stayed in a tent, in a nice tent. And, and from, I've never been to Mary Jane Butters' farm. <clears throat> I've, uh, I've heard that it's not that fantastic of a farm, but um, the, the thing is that she does some amazing photography, some amazing marketing. There are many lessons to be learned here. Frankly, um, there's there's this uh, a blatant and obnoxious sexism in her magazine. I used to subscribe to it because I thought she had a lot of very smart stuff she was doing. But now it's all farm girl, woman of the farm. I, I remember reading a page once where it had seven titles on the page. Six of the seven titles had some aspect of femininity to it, farm girl, woman, what every woman needs to know, whatever, and then followed by an article, because it was like four farm girls, five farm girls, and this particular farm girl that wrote this was actually a man. Um, It's like this, anyway, that's a whole different issue for another day. Um, Clearly, she's finding this awesome market and, and, and bringing women together um, because they're women, I guess. Women bond over that? I, I don't know. Um, but the value of, of art, her photography is spectacular. And the magazine is very beautiful. And I think that's how, that, that part of it is what gets her to get $2,500 per week for these people staying at her farm. I think that's a worthwhile aspect. Oh, good, a second question! <laughs> I like that I'm not going to like it. Is that a real name? Uh, Mary Jane Butters, as far as I know, yeah. Yeah, um, believe it or not, there are people that are, I mean, you, you think about it, she's probably 50-some, pushing 60. She was being groomed to take over for that home economics gal that so makes so much money, Martha Stewart. Because remember, Martha Stewart was going to the pokey? And then what was going to happen to her empire then? So they were grooming this gal up to kind of take over, but, well, you know, Martha Stewart. <laughs> how, how did this happen that she's still, like, okay? I, I don't know. But, but, uh, but Mary Jane, but, her, but yeah, uh, I imagine that she was probably named Mary Jane uh, before the 60s. <laughs> Where is your farm at? Moscow, Idaho. Um, I've talked to several people in Moscow, Idaho. Apparently, they don't care for her much. She drives a very smoky pink car. 
And I, I don't know, apparently she does things that kind of annoy some of the people in the community. I, I, I kind of like the idea of taking Mary Jane's model of all the stuff that she's doing and, like, doing it three times better and, and then instead of getting $2,500 per week, maybe getting $4,000 a week. That, so when I say something like that, are you guys following me or do you think this is being ridiculous? No. I mean, there are people who pay $10,000 a week to get experiences, but they expect a certain quality of experience. And I kind of think, I kind of think I can do better than Mary Jane in that aspect. I don't know if I could do better than her and her photography and her awesome magazine. And, and I, I would really like, if I were to do it, I would really like to do it without the obnoxious sexism. Yes, ma'am. This is my question, but uh, I did a farm tour just of a guy up from Helena. He's charging $1,800 a week per person, and he doesn't grow any of his own food, brings everything in, and all they offer is horse riding. And there was a train track literally through the middle of his kind of compound. So people are flying in mostly from Europe, and they think 1800 bucks is a bargain to go horseback ride. So, <clears throat> A, good for him. Yeah. Awesome. He, doesn't, he no longer does any uh, growing of anything except for hay for feeds the horses. Good, good for him. Plus, on top of that, it, it gives me hope that I could do something and charge $5,000 or $10,000 a week. And, and I, think, I think part of, the, part of my marketing campaign would be on my website, I would say, anybody saying that you come here and your cancer is cured, I'm not going to make any claim about that. I'm, I do not claim to cure cancer when you come to my place. Um, which, by the way, there, are, there have been a lot of people who believe that simply eating food that's not riddled with, I mean, eating this polyculture-based food cures cancer. And, and there are, um, we've, we've got a thread about it out of Permies um, where a lot of people have, you know, based on just diet alone, have beaten cancer in a week. And I think, you know, why not be a place of that kind of destination? I, I think uh, food-based food health, and, and I've met, I don't know, I've, I've heard about like um, eight or nine different ailments that people believe were forever, I don't know, eliminated based upon nothing but eating polyculture food. Uh, uh, Sepp's place, a lot of people come there just to drink the water. I mean, people will pay that $130 just to be able to go up there and drink the water because they believe that the water will cure anything that ails them. And Sepp is very passionate about what he does with his water, and he, belie he believes that there is something special about his water. <clears throat> this is a great movie, uh, Broken Limbs, um, about Washington State. Are you raising your hand or no? Okay, you're, you're kind of just dancing in your seat. All right, cool. I'm for that. Yeah. All right, cool. The Apple Industry in Wenatchee, it's, it's a great film. I, you know, they ought to show it in Missoula sometime. I, I just think I'd love to go see it again. Um, 
it starts off at the beginning of the movie where the, the guy that, that is the guy who made the movie, his dad is an orchardist. And he talks about how when he was a kid, he grew up in the Wenatchee area, and it's apple this and apple that. And, and um, his dad was doing really well. And then as time goes on, and the amount of money that they pay per pound of apples goes down and down and down. And uh, in the meantime, you know, regulations and other expectations of the orchardists go up and up and up. And uh, they've, they've got it set up so that, you know, if you have a hailstorm or a bad crop one year, pretty much it's all on the orchardists. You lose. Everybody else still wins, but you lose. Um, <clears throat> and, and about halfway through the movie, you kind of hear all the stuff about global markets and, and how they're trying to compete with the global markets, and it just sounds so grim. It just sounds so frustrating. And it's like, these guys are all screwed. They're all going down in flames. And in the beginning of the movie, it starts off, oh, look, these guys uh, had a bad year, so uh, they, they have to walk away from the house. They can't pay the mortgage. So after 20 years or whatever, 30 years, they no longer have a home. Toodles, see ya. And uh, you know, apparently this is happening to a lot of orchardists out there. Um, then halfway through the movie, we, we go and we see another per- another party, and it's like, oh yeah, we we you know we were like on the edge. If we had one more bad year, we were sunk. And then the hail came, wiped out 90% of our crop. So we're kind of like, well, we're done. We're done. So as a Hail Mary, they took the apples that were not damaged by hail to the Seattle Farmer's Market. And then they sold them, you know, instead of selling them for 20 cents a pound, they were selling them for $2 a pound, and they sold all of them. So basically, they had the amount of money to make the mortgage payment. I mean, they had the same amount of money as if they took their entire crop and sold it to that big warehouse thing. Son of a bitch. And that was so much easier. So um, so suddenly here in the halfway through the movie, it's like, wow, you mean after all that depressing stuff, there's a good story? <laughs> you know? Yay! So then their story went on. They said, okay, well, we could get $2 a pound for it in Seattle. What if we really revved up the marketing engine? And so now they've been selling on the Internet, like, you know, Fancy Pants Apple of the Week. And so then what they'll do is they'll ship people like eight apples for 20 bucks. How much is that? Ten bucks a pound or something? I don't know. It's a lot of money per pound. And so these people subscribe to Apple of the Week. And they'll send them a different variety of apples through the mail. And I mean, like, they make sure that their apples are all flawless and, and stuff. But so people will receive a soapbox. Oh, honey, we seem to have received our apple of the week. Let's open the box and see how these apples taste different from the last ones. I, I don't know. I mean, they've got to be pretty wealthy, right, to be doing this. And, and they think it's exciting. And I don't know. It could be a pretty cool corporate gift. I've signed you up for Apple of the Week. Anyway, these people are doing awesome. In five years, they paid off the land. Kick ass. All right. Then this last one, this guy that's at the end of the movie, I'm going to go, 
I talked to him last fall. I, I, um, I was going to go over to his stuff, but his combine broke down. And he had to work on that. So I'm going to be going back over there this spring. And I'm going to get lots of video and maybe some podcasts and stuff like that. So anyway, this guy... <laughs> <laughs> it's like okay, they got him on the video. He's got like suspenders on. One suspender's missing, and uh, I think I think he might have been missing a tooth too. And he's kind of like, uh, yeah, I got me some apple trees, and then when it's time, I put the apples in a box. I don't go to Seattle on the I mean, how simple, how amazingly, brilliantly simple. No orchard. It doesn't sound like he has an orchard. And by the way, orchard is not a permaculture word. That's a kind of monocrop. We don't do the monocrops. We have a food forest, which will have like 30 different kinds of tree species in it, one of which could be apple. But anyway, I mean, uh, this guy's doing a lot of really awesome stuff. But the big thing is, is very, very, very simple. Fill a big box up with apples, go into Seattle, sell them all for $2 a pound. Poof, they're gone. And as a bonus, you got a trip to Seattle. Yay. Do your Seattle thing. Go back. And, of course, he's got, you know, lots of other little things going on. He's got several income streams. So that guy, that, that last guy, he was never at risk. He was never out on the edge. He, had, he, he just started just selling it, you know, so he's always been doing good and it's been very easy. These guys were, were on the edge because they were doing it the old-fashioned way and then they finally figured it out and now they've gone even beyond that. Marketing. Marketing can make the big bucks. Question? Where can you find movies? On the mighty internet. Uh, the, the, um, I know that on Permies we talk about the movie all the time and there's links there but uh, I'm pretty sure that Broken Limbs has a website dedicated to the movie and it's like 30 bucks or something like that I think that they charge something like 180 bucks if you show it in public and, and so I don't know that would be something cool to see down at the Roxy or something I mean surely there's somebody who like does that kind of thing and organizes it we just need to plant the seed. University. The university, they would even pay the 180 bucks and let everybody watch it for free. <laughs> They're just that cool. <laughs> Any other questions? Yes? Do you know if you have like a male and a female or something? Um, some do. Some need a male and a female. Um, uh, apple trees are not one of them. So, but I mean, like, if you've got lots and lots of diversity, suddenly you stop worrying about this stuff, right? I mean, kiwis, for example, need male and female. So if you're growing some northern kiwis, um, you'd probably just plant them. That bees would help to match everything up. You'd have some males and some females. You'd, just, you'd probably get those without even trying. You just had enough of them. Did I answer your question, or have I craftily avoided it? Well, a lot of apple trees need cross-pollination, so all the, all the same time, you're not going If you have a single apple tree, and it blooms at a time that no other apple tree within a mile or two well, yeah. blooms, 
then you're not going to have any apples. So if you're isolated, there's no apples to around, and you plant all the same kind, and they need cross-pollination to produce fruit. There are some fruits that need to have cross-pollination with an, uh, a slightly different variety. Yes, yeah, that's, that's true. I don't think apples are one, but maybe they are. But I don't think so. I mean, it, the thing is, is like, if you've got 10 acres, you're probably going to have here in the Missoula area and you're doing permaculture, you're probably going to not only have 30 apple trees, but the other thing is is that within a mile, there's probably going to be another 100 apple trees no matter where you are. Other people are going to be growing apple trees too. I mean, so so really kind of... The, the, the thing is you think, okay, bees aren't going to travel that far, but the thing is is that most things all bloom at this very exact time and, and so then it's like, oh, all the apple trees are blooming for the next three days. And so that if a bee wants to get some honey here or get some nectar here and then go get some nectar at the next spot, the next spot might be a mile or two off. But it's amazing how far bees can carry pollen and that they do. Anything else? No? Next slide. $4,000 per hand. That's not a typo. $4,000 per hand. $4,000 per hand. Yes, they get it. Not only do they get that much money per hand, they can't seem to crank the hands out fast enough. There's a waiting list to get these hands at $4,000 a hand. Now there's more. These hogs that are out on the land, how much do you figure they're spending on hog feed? I think it's about nothing. I think, it's, I think it might be utterly and completely nothing. They're eating mast. Mast is acorns dropped from oak trees. There's just skillions of oak trees. And they go around, and, they, and of course they're eating other stuff. They're finding other stuff. This is a fairly wild land. It's almost untended land. Did I mention $4,000 per ham? That's not $4,000 per hog. That's $4,000 per leg on the hog. Well, you've got a different kind of ham up front, too. Maybe they're only getting $3,800 for those. <laughs> Yeah, so um, those those animals, so like you know, we're we're talking about twenty grand. I mean, there's going to be some bacon on that critter too. I wonder what they get for the bacon. Yeah, and so um, oh man! All right, so this is in well, of course, in France, right? Isn't this in France or is it in Spain? So they've got. I mean, there's. There's some of them, and, but now there are some people in the United States that are coming close to this. But, but I mean, you know, those of you in this class should get the feeling that if you went out and you worked and you did your marketing good and you raised super hogs and you focused your market high instead of focusing your market low, you might be able to get $5,000 a ham. Hell, why not say your ham is better than that ham and say, I won't sell my ham for anything less than $7,000. <laughs> I would do that. There's not as many uh, royalty areas, but there are a lot of rich people. Yeah, I, you know, and my impression was that a lot of these went to the United States. 
I mean, you think about it, if you can have a marketing campaign that says, this was raised in Montana, the cleanest state in the nation. So much cleaner than, have you been to Spain? Have you noticed how dirty it is over there? I have never been to Spain. I don't know. I'm making this up as I go. <laughs> this, is, this is my nasty-ass marketing. Oh, it's so awful over there. Ah, you don't want that stuff. We've got the good stuff. You know, um, uh, I, I think a, a good quality to have in marketing material is to say, come to my farm anytime, point at any animal, I will go eat their food and drink their water. I have that much confidence that their water is clean and that their food is clean. I think that that's a good statement to make. I think, I think you could get $7,000 a ham doing that. To work in some awesome, spectacular photography, like Mary Jane Butters. Have a, a farm visiting program where people can come and experience the awesomeness of your farm. I think you get $7,000 a ham. I think you can beat these guys. <clears throat> Supply and demand. So this is where marketing comes in. Marketing is going to increase demand. If if you go out and you talk about how dirty that other that other ham is, and yours is so awesome and everything, and you have lots and lots of marketing about that, you are increasing demand. And then if you only produce a hundred hogs a year, and you say I will not produce more than one hundred hogs per year, then and then you know when when you sell out at the end of the year, do you tell people? You know, we're all out. Sucks to be you. I mean, the thing that you do is that when you start getting to the point that you're about to run out of hogs, suddenly the price per hog doubles. And you would be surprised at how people will pay it. And then when you get down to just like five left, you double it again. And it is bizarre how people will pay that. You might get more money on your last... Six or seven percent of inventory, then you got on all the rest of it. <clears throat> Polyculture food costs less to produce, and people will pay more for it. It's closer to the way nature intended it to be grown, possibly healthier. Um, better aligned with vegan ethics. In fact, right now, if you go down to the good food store, it's kind of like the Whole Foods of Missoula podcast listeners. <laughs> if you go down to the good food store, <clears throat> um, the healthiest food they have in that entire store is their grass-fed organic beef. Because those animals have been eating from a polyculture. Whereas if you go and you look at their carrots, their organic carrots, those carrots were grown in a row. Those carrots took in nutrients that somebody somewhere thought would make for good carrots. What the fuck do they know? How is it that we have the arrogance to believe that we know what food needs to grow? We have barely scratched the surface of nutrition for human beings let alone an understanding of a nutrition for any given plant, especially a crop plant. We think we know a lot because we've seen them grow greener. We've seen them grow bigger. We've seen them last longer in trucks traveling thousands of miles. But these are not the qualities for how we make good food. Polyculture is far closer 
to what nature intended. Polyculture is getting that plant closer to where that plant takes care of itself. That plant is taken care of the way nature intended it. Have you ever eaten a wild strawberry? Who here has eaten a wild strawberry? How did it taste compared to anything else you've ever had? It was wonderful. It was awesome. It was like 20 strawberries, 20 full-size strawberries packed in this little tiny strawberry. How did they do it? Raspberry. Have you had a wild raspberry? Same kind of thing. Now, I've had wild blackberries when it's been raining for two weeks straight and they were bland. And I've had wild blackberries when it's been rather droughty that tasted better than any other blackberry I've ever had. So there's a lot to be said for how food is grown in a wilder setting. So when we say better aligned with vegan ethics, a vegan ethic, a vegan, as far, I mean, vegans might have a lot of different reasons for eating a vegan diet. But I prefer to believe that the primary reason is, is that a vegan is choosing to live a more evolved life. A vegan is attempting to say, I want to eat food in a way where I don't kill things, where I'm not responsible for animal death. Now, of course, in the omnivore's dilemma, we go into how that turns out to be not true with a standard organic vegetarian vegan diet. Um, which is unfortunate, but that's not what... I mean, the vegan is still trying. The vegan is trying. And now when we talk about growing food in a polyculture, I mean, imagine. It's like, okay, uh, vegans, come on down to the good food store. We've got our carrots that are grown in a typical organic field. And, you know, no polyculture at all. And we fertilized them. We plowed the hell out of that field. And by the way, while we plowed it, we killed thousands of birds and gophers and mice and bugs, and we just turned them into puree. We turned them into soup while we were plowing. We plowed three times a year. We killed skillions of them. We killed far more than anybody eating beef killed. We, we killed so many. Or you can get your food. Here's, here's the stuff that costs five times more. It comes from a polyculture. No animals were harmed here. We don't till. We don't turn the land. That, and, and it was grown in a network of a variety of other plants. So no, no gophers were killed. No birds were killed. Uh, it was harvested by hand, not by some monstrosity of a machine raping the land. I've been talking a lot with people up here um, at the reservation about agriculture practices that happened here 300 years ago and, and the concept of how um, any kind of tillage or any kind of um, harvesting device would be, in effect, raping nature. Uh, I, I thought that was a, a, a fascinating way to look at it. <clears throat> so I think, I think it would be better aligned with vegan ethics. It's what, what, what the vegans are attempting to evolve to. And and then and because of that, I mean, if you were if you were trying to sell your carrots at a farmer's market and you put that in your marketing material, how uh, all the other carrots at the farmer's market were grown with just a bunch of other carrots, but yours were not, and why and why a vegan should care? You think you get away with selling it for twice as much to vegans? Three times. Three times as much. Damn straight. <laughs> 
Meat raisin polyculture. I already talked about this a little bit. Any questions? No. How do you kill birds in flowers? Nest. There's a lot of ground nesting birds. And um, you know, if you, and if the the mama or the papa fly off as you're flying through, the little ones ain't gonna make it. Whether they're still in the egg or maybe they're just sitting in the nest. There's a, there's a lot of. Uh, um, I've got a um, um, some video I'm putting up of Helen Atow's work. So are you familiar with who Helen Atow is? She's uh, she's done a lot. Uh, she 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 was the extension agent for Missoula County, but she's got a video where she's done a lot. And uh, and they were doing an experiment, and they were trying to um, transform this chunk of land into an experimental purpose. But they wanted to wait until the certain variety of bird, uh, the babies had hatched and flown away. Because otherwise, when they went in to work this land, they would have killed off all those birds. That were they were just wild birds. An honor system store. Man, I love these things. And you would think that they would not be very successful, but everybody I've talked to has had awesome success with these. Just to, I imagine there might be some places where teenagers went crazy on them and every time you put something out there, they come and they vandalize it or something like that. But I've yet to find anybody who's had that. There's, there's, most of these have reported that we had like one time something went wonky and then they did something to prevent that from happening again. But for the most part, they've had tremendous success. <clears throat> I've had almost everyone that I have talked to that has done an honor system store. So basically you have a shed or, a, or, or whatever set up. I've, I've even seen like um, uh, when I was going through apple country, I saw where somebody had just set boxes of apples outside and said, organic apples, $10 a box. So of course I stopped by and I got a box and I put $20 in the thing because it was just, to me, that was just so cool, but they trusted me. <laughs> Dumbass bastard. <laughs> so, so anyway, they, they, the, the reports are that they end up with more money in the box than what they asked for. They put, you know, 30 boxes of apples out so they should get $300, but they go to pull the money out and they got $500 in there. And that that's like the norm. And there's nothing on the thing that says, oh, yeah, put extra money in that as like a tip or something. It just works out that way. Um, some honor system stores contain, like, I've got, I read something where this one woman who um, would make quilts during the winter. And she'd put them out there in the honor system store. And sometimes the quilt would sit there for a couple of years before it would sell. But um, uh, and then there's also you know fruits and vegetables and dairy and eggs and whatever else that was in the store. <clears throat> um, and then some stuff was sold for a great price, thus getting people to stop into the store. And some stuff was sold for a rather high price, and that was usually where they made their money was on the stuff that was probably priced a little bit too high. Um, and then pool with your neighbors for more variety of products. I mean, when we start talking about CSAs or going to the farmer's market, I mean, granted, I've, I've heard a lot of stories about people going and having a booth at the farmer's market, and then they'll usually make 600 to $900 a week. And so you kind of think, wow, that sounds like good money. And I'm here to tell you, no, I don't think so. I mean, if you're only pulling in $1,000 a week, how are you going to earn 
$200,000 a year. So it, I think I think the thinking needs to be how if I'm gonna, if, I mean I think that's a big part of what we're talking about today too is like rather than thinking about oh yeah how do I make twenty four thousand dollars a year I know I'll go into a booth at the farmers market start off by saying my income needs to be two hundred thousand dollars a year and if my primary focus is going to be on a farmers market booth or a CSA does the math work out? And I don't think it does. Granted, if you've got somebody who's like, they're going to um, come to your farm, pick stuff for the farmer's market, and then go and sell your stuff at the farmer's market, okay, that might be possible. Or if you're going to have a farmer's market booth and you're selling polyculture food for three times what everybody else is saying, well, then maybe, or selling it for, well, then maybe rather than getting $1,000, you can get $3,000. Okay, that could be a, a viable aspect of your business. Um, pooling with neighbors, let's see, long shelf life products, patience. Oh, and stuff that you create in the wintertime. Any questions? No. Okay. Hey, that's the end. Any questions about the whole thing? No. Now, oh, there's one. No, I just want to say that I think Mary Jane is awesome. I mean, good for her for finding a market. Women learn from women. And good for her for capitalizing on that. Women learn. And so do you, you do realize that you're learning today from a dude. <laughs> I'm just saying that some women feel more comfortable getting down dirty with women. And good for her for finding what works for her. That's what I'm saying. Now, I thought that was an interesting choice of words. Women getting down and dirty with other women, uh, but uh, no, I I I think that um, I mean I like the idea of the magazine when it first came out, where it was all about organic, and it was really an awesome presentation, and there did seem to be some of this farm girl thing, but it was kind of on the side, and I'm kind of thinking, you know, I'm not a farm girl, so I guess that part's not for me, but then it's like a lot of the content was directed to farm girls, and I thought. You could have directed this to guys. You know, it's not like it was about tampons or something. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I don't, I mean, okay, so what? We want to say, and then plus on top of that, the stuff that apparently is directed to farm girls, I, I find that it's really degrading to say to women, this is, by the way, this is what you're interested in that the men are not interested in. And I'm kind of thinking, uh, that, I think women were just slammed right there. Or maybe, or maybe men were slammed. Somebody was slammed, and it was it was sexist and inappropriate. I, I would I just granted there's a market there for it, because let's face it, women are far more sexist than men, and that in, in itself is a sexist statement. I realize, but I, I you know I think men have all been conditioned now for equality, whereas women are still like beating men up. And, and it's unfortunate, but now she's cashing in on it. You go to any magazine stand, and it's like a third of the magazines in the stand are for women. And and so it's like, you know, so yes, exactly. I mean, and, and good for her for cashing in on it. On the other hand, I would, I, would, I would like Mary Jane to be above that. I would like Mary Jane to be better than that. I would like to see her success be larger than that. But but you're right. She's she's milking it. She's working an angle. It's unfortunate. It just seems like it's beneath the Mary Jane I want to see. 
You had a statement? Well, I was going to say she probably realized that she can make more money doing women. Well, I mean, obviously, women are buying more magazines. Women might be willing to pay more for a weekend with a bunch of other women than guys going to pay just to be on a bus. I, I think I think there is some truth to that. I, I um, um, so like if you were to have like okay this week on the farm we're only allowing women to come down here and all the men that are normally hanging out we're gonna have them go somewhere else. Maybe they're willing to pay more. Maybe, maybe. Um, uh, you know, and, and I do think I do think our media supports female sexism. Like when women when women are completely sexist. Our media, our culture says that's okay, and and so now I, I do. There is a big market there for that. It's it's wrong, and inappropriate. And I hope that sometime in the next few years, our society will correct this problem. But in the meantime, she's riding that pony all the way to the bank. Yeah. And you're saying good for her. She saw a niche and she grabbed it. We are talking about being capitalist. Where can you make your money? She's making her two hundred thousand dollars a year by selling to women. So I'm just saying, good for her for realizing what her two hundred thousand dollars a year is and running with it. That's true. And my impression is, is that it's more like two million a year. <laughs> well, she's doing. My, my understanding, she's doing pretty damn good. I mean, I can I can think of people doing worse things to make two million dollars a year. Right. Right. And so, um, and and um, I I hope she's diversified her portfolio because I really do hope that a that our culture is going to um, put a stop to this sexism soon. But yeah, she's she's out there, and and you're right, she's cashing in on it. Good for her to find a niche. I just kind of wish she'd find something a little bit more wholesome. Yes, sir. No, you're still just you're 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 fixing your hair. Yeah, yeah. It looks like a question, but really you're just you know a little little grooming. Okay. Yes, sir. I want to comment on the vegan ethic and what you said about how they're striving. I don't know to be. I don't know what word you choose. I I don't know that they are. I'm saying that it's I choose to believe that they choose to lead a more evolved life. Oh, yeah, you said evolved. Well, I really rubbed me the wrong way because I have a really big problem with the vegan ethic. Because once you differentiate between what's a living creature that's acceptable, acceptable to eat and another living creature that's not, you're really putting a line that doesn't exist. And it's like, who's to say, you know, oh, yeah, it's a sentient being where plants are not... Oh, you know, where's the line between... Oh, right. You know, I... I and Pollen goes into that in great depth in Omnivore's Dilemma. Sure. I mean, he, he, he explores the whole aspect of, like, okay, let's say we took a guy who was mentally deficient. He was <clears throat> pretty much not able to communicate with others. And, and he didn't have any family, nobody that we knew. We didn't, and we didn't know this guy. He's not like one of our friends from high school or something. Is it okay to eat him? You know, and it's like, yeah, where do we draw the line? And so uh, Pollen, I mean, Pollen spends a huge amount of time exploring where this line is drawn. And then Pollen basically comes to the conclusion of the vegans are right. I also choose to live a more evolved life. So he became a vegan for like a month. And then during that time, he started to learn this stuff about 
the, uh, the techniques that were used in the field for harvesting and for maintaining the land for these vegetables that are sold at his local Whole Foods and found out that more animals were killed for carrots than for beef. If, if you thought vegans were right, did he assume there was a line? I, you know, basically, I, the way this book is presented, which I think is a wonderful book. I mean, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a very, um, I, I have a lot of criticisms about a lot of different things, and I, I could only criticize about 7% of his book, which is a very small amount. Most of the books I can find far more that I'm uncomfortable with. So I, so I really enjoyed that particular book, Omnivore's Dilemma. I think I enjoyed his other work in defense of food even more. Um, <clears throat> but... Uh, uh, I kind of get the impression that he's starting from zero and he's evolving through the book. That he's making choices. That he's learning more. That that he uh, he actually exchanges email with a guy that's written one of the most popular books on veganism, and he gets to the point where this guy has effectively convinced him. And, um, and, and so then he chooses to follow this path. And then, and then as he learns all of that stuff, and then he learns even more, I mean, hence the title, mm-hmm. Omnivore's yeah. Dilemma. I mean, he wishes, he's, he's basically stating that he likes the idea of living a more evolved life. He's dedicated to living a more evolved life by using his brain. And at the end of the book, he comes to the conclusion that an omnivore's life is, by his standards, a more evolved life. But now, I think we've wandered off of the topic of, of, a fair bit. Um, well, maybe, maybe the thing to do is to see if anybody else has any more questions about making the big bucks with permaculture, and then I, I'd be glad to, to go into this whole different segment of like, now let's talk about anything until they throw us out of here. <laughs> okay, that was part two of three of making the big bucks with permaculture. And uh, let's see, I think that's number 11. Well, anyway, I don't care what number it is. Yeah, the next one's going to have the rest of this one. So um, uh, in in the last episode of this podcast, are podcasts called episodes in, in the last chunk then I, I said go out to Reddit and play and and now for part two and that is to go out to Reddit and make a link to something of mine that's your price to me for this podcast um, and you know what it's so important to me I'm going to make that the price for this podcast and the next podcast so um, uh, uh, easy peasy right no problem I mean you've been having fun at Reddit you'll get like lots of uh, Reddit karma, lots of upvotes, you'll feel good. Uh, yay! Alright, if you like this sort of thing, come on out to the forums at permies.com, where we talk about making big bucks with permaculture, homesteading, and of course, uh, well, you know, permaculture all the time.